You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. This morning, when we sing that song, Even So, um, or the Shine Jesus Shine song, um, it says, fill this land with the Father's glory. And then, you know, flow, river, flow, flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. You know how prayer has been answered? The things that we're singing, I don't think we realize it, but we always sing it in this future tense of, I can't wait for the Lord to do that. He did it. Because you're singing those words. When he said, Fill this land with the Father's glory. Who do you think you are? The Father's glory. What better reflection of the Father's glory could it be than those children that have been adopted because of the sacrifice of the perfect Son of God? Can you think of a better display of the Father's glory and His love and His mercy that has flooded the nations? We need to think about that. We need to, as we sing these words, we need to attach them to ourselves because you are the answer to these prayers. The things that you're singing and you can't wait to see, you can see it right now. You're the answer to it. It is about you. When, the, when we sing, Lord, fill this land with your glory, with grace and mercy, He's done it because you are the vessels filled with the presence of God in everything you do and everywhere you go. That has been answered. The children of God need to realize how many of these things have been answered. You know, Randy taught us... Uh, He's taught us over many years, but He can't give you, again, what He's already given you. Fill this land with the Father's glory, with His grace and mercy. That's you. You want this land to to reflect the Father's glory? Then you reflect the Father's glory. You want it to overflow with grace and mercy? Overflow yourselves with grace and mercy. He can't give away what He's already given away. He doesn't have it anymore. It's yours. He's given it to you. He's given it to us. So we can't continue to think of these things as something He'll give us someday. We're praising God for something He's done. In that song, we're praising Him for something that has been completed and has been done. And we get to choose it each and every day. We get to choose it each and every day. It goes back to what we talked about last week of who will be Jesus uh, that, that question has been on my mind all week. All week of who will be Jesus and this, this design of us to know and receive the Spirit of God that we can go as Jesus did and show the love of Yahweh to those around us with great detail. And I love that the Lord was continuing to teach me about that this week with great detail because we watched, again, if you want any of this stuff to make sense as far as not having to catch up Come watch The Chosen or watch it from your houses or pull it up on your phone or YouTube. Watch it. Because last week we watched the episode where he heals the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Okay? And what they emphasized that I had never thought about, but it was so incredibly obvious, and I don't know why we don't think of it, was the specifics in which Jesus was going to complete this act of obedience. Because he told the disciples the night before that he had to go there to meet someone. That's all he said. And I believe that's probably all he knew. I have to go and meet someone. You know, Jesus doesn't give us like, hey, or God doesn't give us when he's 
calling us into things. He doesn't be like, it's going to be at this. This is phone number. This is their social security. This is their credit score right now. And so that's what you're going into. He doesn't give us all the details. He just gives us what we need to know to go into it. And I believe he did the exact same thing for Jesus. Anyway, so Jesus goes and he starts going to it. And they go in there and they get there. And they're like, okay, who is this man that you're meeting? I don't know. Okay, well, how are we supposed to meet him? It's the one who's been here the longest. And he's just sitting on these, or standing at these steps looking around. And then he's, it's that one. It's like, so you just see the specifics in what God is relieve, or, uh, revealing and giving details in the moment that he needs to give them. And uh, it's the same for us in the love of God that we display. The love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we get to display. The kindness we get to display to the people around us will have that same specific detail. He'll have us in this place. It'll be it. It's that one. Minister to that one. Okay. Jesus, Jesus never questioned what was going to happen next. He knew the Lord would reveal it to him, give him perfect answers at perfect timing, and help him. And then at this moment, in this conversation, gives him the exact words to say, and it's without hesitation, says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And it's so funny. I love it. Because um, it's another sitting at the campfire example. It's really sad, but there are Pharisees there that see this man get up and pick up his mat, and he's, he did it on the Sabbath. And so they start to grill him. This guy that cannot walk, who just got up and picked up his mat, and they begin to grill him for picking up his mat and laboring on the Sabbath. What the heck? You just saw this man walk in there, tell this guy to get up and walk, and he left. I mean, Jesus, that simple. Got him up. See ya. I'm, I'm going, I got other things to do. That guy gets up and walks and he has this conversation with the Pharisees. They're like, you're, you're, not supposed to, you're not supposed to pick up your mat and labor on the Sabbath. He's like, the dude just told me to get up and walk. So I'm going to do it. I mean, he just, this guy can't even believe the conversation that they're actually having. You're upset with me about that. But man, do we do that. We get caught in that rut of missing what the Lord has just done and focusing on these things that are irrelevant. And that's a side tangent. And that's not anything what we have to do with this morning. But He will reveal to us such great detail. John 5, 19-20. You guys know this. We should know this by heart. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does... That the Son does likewise, for the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him, so that you may marvel. He will show us such great detail. He will give us such a specific way to love on those around us, the specific love that they need to receive. There are moments in our stories that we can reflect on a specific love that we receive. The exact moment. If we're looking, thinking of the movie The Shack, Right? When, when God, the Father, is not the Father. It's a mother, right? Because He didn't need a Father. He needed a mother. He will love us exactly the way we need Him to love us at the moment we need that love. Each and every moment. And He will do that through us to others around us. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? He will love those around us with such great detail and specific love. Nothing random. Everything is exact. Even these... Random acts of kindness, right? The brush stroke. Do you think any one of those brush strokes is random? Think about that painting. If you'll remember that red painting that Ibby painted for us as, as we were preaching. 
She just, she's going all over the place. But do you think any one of those in the kingdom of heaven is random? Do you think any one of those promptings that God has is random? No. There's no way. We have no idea what each, what seems random to us unlocks. What each act of kindness unlocks in somebody else. Right? I love those commercials, the, the kind of pay it forward commercials. Right, where someone does something kind for this person, but that person saw it, and now this person does something, and it just poof. Right? We take, a, we take a pebble. I don't care how big it is. You drop it in a still body of water. Those ripples will go beyond what you can comprehend and see and measure. Each little thing that God prompts us to do, every what seems random is not random. But they're changing the world around us. They're changing the spirit over our cities. And that was what Jesus did. And he made the way for us to continue. And so again, in reflecting over this question of who will be Jesus and thinking of the next generation, it's impossible for me as a parent to think about these things with God not immediately go to my children. I just, I can't do it. That doesn't mean I don't, I do it well, but I can't, I can't separate the two. Right, Because they're the first ones to receive what the Lord is doing in me or should receive what the Lord is doing in me. And the Lord brought me to this one, to the, to the commandments. You know, And I'm thinking about this as I'm watching all these kids and we're doing this camp out and we're under the stars and Melissa's just getting us away from technology and these kids, uh, it was, I mean, it was hilarious. I, I had uh, Liam and uh, little boy Ezra, who's just his best friend in the world, and they're both asking, like, okay, when, when are we going to watch our, our show? Like, oh, man, we've missed it. <laughs> no, we're not going to. And I heard Andrew say the same thing. Little Andrew, he's just walking around. That kid just does, he does Andrew like that whole time. He's just doing his thing. Uh, we're playing soccer, and he's got two sticks, and he's just, <sighs> just out there. It's like, get it, buddy. You do your thing. But he was asking for a show too. He's like, no, we're not doing that. That's not what we're doing. We're getting away from everything. We're sitting down. We're slowing down. But I'm thinking about this of who will be Jesus. And I'm thinking of, of this next generation. And in regards to that question, the Lord brings this revelation to one of his commandments. And we know the Ten Commandments. I love the first one. It's just a fact. He's, God is just stating the fact. I am the Lord, your God. <sighs> Period. That's the first one. But you shall have no other gods before me. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not covet. And you can find these in Exodus 20. These are not rules. Again, these are, these are guidelines. This is, this is the uh, instruction manual. This is the, protecting us for the life we were created to live. There is not a one of us that was not made for God. So we, he, has, he has set these commandments in place that we would know the life that he has created us for he has not created us to kill one another he's not created us to to have adultery he's not created us to covet what our neighbor has he's not created us to have any other gods besides him so they're not rules these are protecting us for the life that he created us for because we are all made for him every one of us and just to prove it in colossians 1 16 For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. You are included in the all things. 
in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, including you, were created through him and for him. And that does not mean just the people in this room or the people listening online. Everybody. There's not a person on this earth that was not made for God. Not a person in, on this earth that Jesus did not die for. Not a select group. He died for the world. That all that would choose to believe in Him would have salvation. So we know that in Ephesians 2, 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are made for Him. But again, in reflecting over this question, God brought me to this one commandment. And it was fascinating to me. That commandment was, Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Now that has been perceived in the church, at least in my experience, in one specific way. Don't, when you get angry, say the Lord's name, because that's bad. You'll get in trouble. And that's really where the teaching ended, as far as that understanding that commandment. If you, if you say, if you get mad, you say, Jesus Christ, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. Is it? Yes. Why is it? Because you got angry and you said it? That's not it. Because we've missed the point. Because what does it mean to take it in vain? What does that word vain mean? Vain means to make meaningless. So if you use it just casually in frustration and stuff, are you contributing to that? Yes. But the part that the Lord got me with was the way we live our life. You can also take his name in vain. And I heard this interesting as I was researching this and I was researching the Lord's name in vain. I, was, I, was, I came across this very interesting point. This is a side topic that you just tuck away in your pocket for later. But God is not his name. That's a title. Okay, we need to understand that God is not, God is, is talking about, that's a title for the Trinity. Do we understand that? That's a title for the Trinity. So that's not what we're talking about. And you want to make something meaningless. This guy said this. You want to make something meaningless, forget the name. And how many of us can, I mean, just think about your own life. If you raise your kids all their lives and you ask them, do you, do you know my name? Like, besides mom? Besides dad? No. That would, that would emphasize a distance in that relationship, right? If I, I, we can all experience this, and I'm, ter- I'm one of the contributors to this. I'm terrible with names, and that's a poor excuse. I need to be better, period. But how many of us have gone up to someone that we've met like 10 times, and they're like, introduce themselves to you again like they've never met you, and you're like, oh, yeah. I didn't leave a very good first impression, I guess. Right? Because they can't even remember my name. I've met them four times, but they don't know who, what my name is. And so when I'm talking about the name that we take in vain, I, I want us to recognize the name that God has. He's, he's got his names are mentioned over 7,000 times in the Bible. These names that he's given. We've got to recognize too that we're not... American Christianity, the, the, us, us 
people over here, Western civilization, this is not where Christianity started. And Jesus did not die so the world could be a part of American Christianity. We are the adopted ones. We're not the ones doing the adopting. We're the ones that have been adopted into the chosen people of Israel. Okay, that's just a fact. Okay, so that means there's an, there's an importance in us knowing what and who we've been adopted into. There's an importance in that. You know, I bet none of us know this, but you know how hard it is for um, those that were Jewish and are now Christian walking with the Lord, how hard it is for them to get over Western Christians wearing a cross around their neck? Because think about what a cross is to that civilization. The Romans would put, I mean, they could steal a loaf of bread and they would crucify these people at the entrance to the cities. And the chosen, we see this, as they're entering Jerusalem, there are four people that are being crucified as they're entering in. One guy's just getting nailed in. And you see Jesus, you see this moment with Jesus where he sees and he's realizing where he's going to that. It's, but we don't recognize that, right? It's, a cross is a very, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong recognizing and reflecting on the sacrifice of Jesus. I've got a cross on. Okay, so chill out. I'm not telling you to burn your crosses or anything crazy. But we don't even know what is significant to those that we've been adopted into that are our brothers and sisters. That's important to know. And the other thing that's important to know is who they have called God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Right? I'm talking about... Yahweh, Abba, Yeshua, Adonai, Jehovah, these, these names that they've given him. And we don't ever address him like that. We just address him as, hey, God. We're talking to all three, and that's okay, but it's important for us. This is the side tangent. It's important for us to study this better. Plain and simple. Right? It's not, it's not about who knows the most of this so that they can, right? This is not an instruction manual. This is, this is about being. This is teaching us about being. And who we are meant to be and who we are called to be. But the thing is, is we really don't know this very well in the original context in which it was spoken into existence by the Spirit of God Himself. Right? We need to do a better job. And I'm talking to myself here because I was reading some things about the, the name of God and reading some things about what we've lost in translations. It's like, oh man, we're missing some stuff. And we need to know these kind of things. Like this one word of vain. It's not just about saying it, but the act of making the Lord's name meaningless. That's a humbling thing to think about. Of making the Lord's name meaningless. Look at Judges 2, verse 6. I want you to get there. I want you to read this with me. I preached, the very first time I preached at this church, uh, answering the, the call to be youth pastor here. Still in school, Sarah and I were just dating. Um, or we, we were engaged. I don't know. We don't know. She doesn't know either, so that's good. I'm safe. I'm not going to be in trouble. Um, but I remember we were staying at Danny and Amy's house, and um, I'm letting the Lord show all that he wants to do in this youth ministry, and he brings me to this, Judges 2. Uh, verse 6, and I've not ever been able to leave it. It's still so significant, and we still need to hear it. Verse 6, when Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land, 
And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath, Harris, on the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know, who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. How we live. Did they take the Lord's name in vain? Did that older generation take the Lord's name in vain? Their kids didn't know God. And they did not know of all that he had done for their parents. I would say that's a yes. How many of us have had the miraculous worked on our behalf over and over and over again? And could you ask yourself humbly this morning, would the world around you see the evidence of those works of God in your life right now? Would they look at you and be like, man, the Lord has worked miraculously on this person's behalf. I can see it overflowing out of them. Right? Because the way we live can either make the, give the Lord's name meaning or make it meaningless. Now, He doesn't need us to do any of this. He is, he is who He is. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the Trinity. The truth about them is the truth about them, period. But if we are the sons and daughters, then the way we live will either make His name meaningless or not to the world around us. Now, in reality, is, his, is there any, more, any less power in His name based on how I live? No. To the world around us, is there? Yes. Yes, there absolutely is. Why do you think there's such a great walking away from the church? Because they have made the name of Jesus meaningless in the way they've lived their lives. Because we are still caught up around the campfire being petty and missing the miraculous. It's just right down the way. We've still gotten lost and focusing on the fact that somebody that just was lame 30 seconds ago has now stood up and has picked up their mat. We're mad at them for picking up that mat. And we've missed what Jesus is. He walked right by them. And they missed it. And the man that couldn't walk walked right by them. And they missed it. We missed it. <clears throat> How we live takes His name in vain if we say we are His and do not live for Him. It's not about action. Again, it's about the being. But tell me, where is your faith if there's not also action? Right? My faith, you will see the evidence of my faith. You should see the evidence of my faith in God, my relationship with God, in the way my life is lived out. In the way each and every breath is taken and what I do with my hands and in my feet. Yes? Right? We can't just say, it's about being, man. I'm going to chill. I'm just going to be. Because you can't be and not live. You can't be who God has created you to be in the world around you, not be incredibly and deeply impacted by that reality. Right? Because you will not be able to sit still. Because just as Jesus was here on this earth for three years, He was not able to sit still. He was not able to sit still. It's about being. But the being will release power and revelation. It will set people free. 2 Corinthians 5. 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who gave through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He is making his appeal to the world around us through us. So how we live is crucial. And we cannot be those that contribute to the meaninglessness of His name. Can't be those people. There's too many churches filled right now with dead people. And that's the sad reality. There are too many filled. There are too many gathering in His name that do not live for Him. Right? That can't be us. We can't be those that are, that are gathering in that same way. When the world sees us, does it see the ministry of reconciliation? The bringing back God in the world, reuniting, the restoring of that relationship. Do they see that in us when they look at us? If not, we've got to look at the way we're living our life because it's not just about how you speak. It is about how you live. And this is not a time for us to come and be a part of a service any longer, right? We knew that. The Lord made, us, made that very clear through 2020 when He took services away. And how many of us recognize that, oh man, I worshipped that time. Not God, just that time. He removed that. Because it's not about us just simply gathering anymore. It's about what we do in between the gatherings. It's about the way we live in between the gatherings. It's about showing the kindness to people around us each and every day as we see an opportunity and as we're prompted by the Lord with such great detail and specific love that is for them in that exact moment. That's the life that we're meant to live. We must be those that reflect the heart of God, the heart of the Father, the heart of the Son, the heart of the Spirit to all those around us. That when they see us, they see the specific love of the Trinity and what the Trinity has for them. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. But I'm telling you, when we sing these songs of releasing and seeing the Father's glory, we can say amen to that because these things have been done. Because you are here. You live and you breathe. So that prayer has been answered. But how we live between Sunday and Sunday, it, it brings new light to that commandment. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. And that's not just the moments where people are watching. That's the moments that people are not. And you better believe, how many of us were there to see God create the heavens and the earth? I didn't see one of it. But He did it. So there is no telling to what happens when the children of God are walking in the will of God and operating with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect unity, living for them, even when they're by themselves. We have no idea what the Lord is doing in those places. 
You know, I've seen, the Lord has given me vision of the people of God just existing. And it's, it's so simple as you can see their, the grass, their bushes, their plants, they grow differently. Because the kingdom of heaven is established in that place. No one can see what they're doing inside their homes. But we can see the evidence overflowing out of it. Right? We can see, we can create these spaces that we're not doing, we're just working. But someone enters your office, they enter the kingdom of heaven. Just because you are operating in the fullness of all that God has called you to operate in, even in the moments when no one is looking. And it will change the lives of those around you and the lives of those that you cannot even imagine. The people that you're going to pass by on the way home or the way to lunch or wherever you're going after this, you can change their life. But we have got to keep guard of that commandment that we would not be those that would take the Lord's name in vain because the Lord has called this house to bring meaning to His name to the world around us. For it to stand for something again. For our kids, this is a big thing, for our kids to not get casual with the name of Jesus. I was thinking about it this morning. You know, we're practicing and I'm playing drums and Sarah's singing and my boys are just running around. And it's awesome. I love that my boys are growing up in that. But what is so much more important is what they see in their parents in those times. That they would not ever think that this is a casual thing that we're doing. That even in worship they would see their mother praising God. Even in practice, I mean. Even in worship practice. Because she's not just doing all that stuff. When, uh, 1045, now it's time for the show. It's a reflection of her heart, and so the boys get to see that. But that's the way we're supposed to live, that even at these, at these campouts, at the VBS stuff that we're doing, of all the things that we've got going on that these kids would see, they would see power in the name of Jesus. And they would expect nothing less than power in the name of Jesus. They would expect nothing less than the Father to be exactly what they need when they need it in the moment they need it. Immediately. And they would expect nothing less than the Holy Spirit to consume them and walk with them each and every day of their lives and to perform outstanding, uncomprehendable things in and through them all the days of their life. And to change the world around them all the days of their life. But how do they begin to have those expectations? Expectations are built around experience I have an expectation for Jay to be pretty good at piano because I've experienced him be pretty good at piano right so what will our kids have an expectation of when it comes to the name of Jesus when it comes to the Father, Son and Holy Spirit what will their expectations be the way we live will establish those expectations so we cannot afford to take his name in vain because each and every moment has to have meaning and has to bring meaning to the world around us of who we worship and who we seek and who we love and who we have devoted our lives to. Amen? Each and every day, each and every moment. There's no time to waste because I do not want to deal with another generation chasing their tail trying to figure out how they can leave the campfire. Let's be done with that. There's no reason for us to know what we know in this house and a generation to grow up and 30 years down the road, they're still talking about this. I want, I want them, 
if this is what we're talking about today and we believe it and we live in it and there's not a one of us that lives in a way that would bring uh, little meaning to the, to the name of God, to, the, to this title, to the, to the Trinity. But we live and we receive it in fullness and we believe the power in His name and we go from this point on living that way. What will this place look like in 30 years? If a generation rises up only knowing the power in the name of Jesus. Only knows that when they see somebody who's lame as Peter and John did at the gate, just having received the Holy Spirit for themselves, babies in what we would say the Christian world, just baby Christians. Say, I don't have any money for you, but what I do have, I give to you freely. Get up and walk. As Jesus did at the pool of Bethesda, they witnessed that. And that was their expectation then. They witnessed Jesus say, get up and walk. So when they saw a lame man, they walked up and they said, get up and walk. That was their expectation because of the experience. So what experience will we give our kids that they would form an expectation, right? Lord, we pray that this would be a house of great expectation because of great and powerful experience. That we would experience great and mighty and powerful things. Lord, that your name would carry such meaning that we would know that when we speak the name of Jesus, when we speak the name of Yahweh, that the world around us shakes. That the darkness that is over our communities, over families in this city, shakes and trembles in fear. Hoping to God that we do not catch a whiff. We do not fix our sights on them. I pray that out of this house would rise up a generation that only knows the full power and understanding of who you are and who they are in you. A generation that is bulletproof to fear, doubt, and division from the enemy. That the enemy can no longer prowl around like a lion seeking to devour that they would put him in his cage and they would live a powerful and astounding life in the name of Jesus doing more than we could ever comprehend doing more than we can right now even imagine being impossible Lord I pray that their that their reality of possible would be beyond what we can imagine as impossible. But it starts with what they experience in us, the first reflections of your heart towards them. That's us. So what will they see? I pray that they would see a, they would see a people of God that do not hold to themselves all that you have done, but that speak freely of the power and everything that you have done on our behalf that we would speak freely to the heart of God for us. And that a generation would rise up knowing it well. We love you and we thank you. We thank you for your commandments that protect us for life. And that our guiding, guiding words to allow us to, to minister to the generation coming up. And generations yet to come. Be glorified in this house. Be magnified in this house for generations to come. 
Lord, if this is our ceiling, we can't wait to see what the ground floor is for the next generation. Continue to increase this ceiling. I pray that we would be a people that rise from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.